0: Listening to Green Rapids podcast.
1: It's just me and Erica and today, it's just us. and we got a history lesson for you guys.
0: Don don don, and we hope that this is
1: kind of like in- we really hope this is interesting for you. Um, I only did that because I am so
0: bad at retaining information. Like, if I don't have a full like two hour long documentary Mm -hmm. on it and it doesn't have like something exciting for me to look at then it's it's not sticking so
1: it's definitely it can definitely be hard without the visuals it is
0: so hard without visuals so um close your eyes
1: and just imagine it just imagine we're gonna take you back in time
0: the mid to late 1800s. <laughs> yes, we are uh, actually but yeah, no, back well, the mids. What right. we The reason why we want to talk about this is actually because there is an event coming up um, on September 5th at mm-hmm. 5 o'clock uh, at LinkUp. And uh, we're going to be talking about our experiences with energy companies um, and maybe how that differs between person to person. We really want to make sure that we highlight our experiences because we are going to go over this. Book this workbook that we did um, after, with a learning session a few months back. But part of what uh, the person who taught it said, and it really like stuck with me, is that when we talk about history and we talk about our own experiences, we create history. So sometimes just hearing about somebody's experience is super compelling. So Mm -hmm. if you feel compelled to sharing your experience, you should definitely show up to this event because currently our energy system is monopolized. Um, Mm -hmm. Currently we don't have a choice in what the rates we're going to pay are, who's going to provide that energy. And as Nancy and I are going to talk about today, this is not necessarily the way that we started. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I think we just want to kind of highlight where it began and then where we are today and why it might be important to shift from our current lifestyle. Mm-hmm. So with that being said, Nancy, who provides your energy? Consumer's energy. Okay. Who, and then- Who uh, provides your energy? Oh, consumer's energy. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> who provides your gas? DTE. Okay. Same. Okay. <laughs> same, same. Um, did you have a choice in that when you like bought your house or when you were
1: renting anywhere? No, actually, when I got my house is when I first was like, all right, I'm going to sign up for like my first utility bills. Right. And then, you know, I was like, I hadn't really looked into the energy system here in Michigan. So I was just like, oh, I wonder, like, you know, I'm going to shop around, see who has the best rates and come to find I had a single option. Yeah. And that option was consumer's energy.
0: And uh, best rates is hardly what I would describe that to be.
1: Oh yeah, I was a little disappointed to find that not only could I not shop around, but the rates that were available were not necessarily the most affordable.
0: And I guess it's a little bit different than when you think about like trash, right? Mm -hmm. Like the trash is a municipal system. Our water Mm -hmm. is a municipal system in Grand Rapids. Mm -hmm. Um, So there are certain things that kind of just are almost known to either come along with or have Mm -hmm. a fixed rate. Something like energy um it feels like you maybe should have an option especially when that rate is not affordable mm-hmm. right um and especially when that energy is doing the worst that it can do for our planet
1: yeah because as many of you know consumers energy do, like they do have a plan in place for reducing their carbon footprint but like a lot of their plans are way in the future like 2050 mm-hmm. One, in reality, we really need to reduce our emissions by twenty thirty in order to try and like prevent irreversible damage. And actually I think we might already be past the point of reversible damage. But we still want to mitigate like how much damage we're gonna create on top of that. We've had the
0: hottest (coughs) recorded summer on planet Earth Mm -hmm. in thousands of years. We are seeing wildfires in areas Mm -hmm. that they should not be. I am sending so much love and energy to Maui, yeah, um, to Lahaina and what they are experiencing currently.
1: California is about to get hit hit by Hurricane Hillary.
0: California Death Valley is about to get potentially hit by tropical storm. Wild. Yeah, it's Mm -hmm. just kind of like uh, we and I mean, of course, Canada, which Mm -hmm. is impacted our entire summer. Mm -hmm. Um, So this is why it makes a difference, right? It it makes a difference that our energy is coming from somewhere clean. Mm -hmm. It makes a difference that we're able to invest in our health when our energy is not clean and we don't have an option. And I think this conversation is really important because a lot of us understand what those impacts are going to do further down the road, but like, how do we prevent ourselves from just dealing with it further down the road yes so let's let's get into it and i think nancy (laughs) holds information a little bit differently than i do um so i'm gonna kind of let you give your generalized idea of Mm -hmm. like what we learned from the history yes um and then kind of where we
1: are today Mm -hmm. and as a side note you will notice that I do have a little bit more of a sultry, demure rasp to my voice.
0: Because we want this to be s- as sexy as possible.
1: <laughs> I'm fighting I'm a cold. And it's okay. That's
0: not the truth. <clears throat> we want to try to make energy as attractive as we can. <laughs> I know, but instead <laughs> I'm going to whisper to you about
1: <laughs> energy history. So the workbook that I'm, I'm referencing is called How Did the Utilities End Up Like This? What are we going to do about it? And this workbook was published by the PeoplesUtility.org. So if you guys want to learn more or check our sources on any of this stuff, you can go ahead and check their website. Oh, and um, I want to stop.
0: I loved the people who presented for us. They were so cool. It was and it was a I holiday be their weekend. Friend. I know, and it just it felt good being there. They were. From California. Yeah. They so actually flew in to do this workshop. They the, did. With us
1: and, and a group of some other climate organizers.
0: hmm And they did specific to Michigan, specific mm-hmm. to DTE, because mm-hmm. we were on the other side of the state. Um, mm-hmm. But just as reference, uh, DTE provides electric energy mm-hmm. to the other side of the state. Mm-hmm. And then Consumers provides gas to the other side of the state. Mm-hmm. And then we mentioned earlier on this side of the state, it's flopped. So Consumers is powering our lights and mm-hmm. our, our electronic devices. And then DTE is providing gas. Um, so exactly. they, they have our entire state mm-hmm. monopolized.
1: Yeah. So let's start with, I'll start with the present before we take a blast of the past. But so as Erica said, we do have um, like a monopoly here. Mm-hmm. So it they are c- supposed to be overseen by the Public Utility Commission. However, because DTE and Consumers Energy basically have a captive audience, um, they have this guaranteed inflow of money, right? Mm-hmm. And in their charter, their chart, one of the things that they're guaranteed to do is not provide affordable, reliable service to. Its constituents, but rather to guarantee profits yep. for its investors,
0: and and that's so bizarre to me. Like, if I were to invest in a small business in Grand Rapids, am I guaranteed any return on my investments?
1: No, no. because it's investing. And you're investing. Investing has inherent risks. It
0: does, mm-hmm. unless you're uh, unless you're a corporation, you know, yeah. or unless you're providing a service to somebody, mm-hmm. um, and and they've learned how to. Be the only people who have the capability of doing that,
1: aka a monopoly.
0: A monopoly.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's sort of like the way things are right now. <laughs> um, okay. So to start off, so early, early on, uh, energy systems were not the model that we have today. Yeah. So today, what do you do when you need power, Erica?
0: Uh, you turn on the light. You plug something in. I don't know. Well, where does that
1: come from? We just oh, yeah, yeah. consumers. So, so I
0: pay. I I pay for the amount of energy that mm. I used in the month
1: prior mm-hmm. and then we obviously know that that comes from consumers' energy which is a, like a, has a, a lot of dirty energy
0: yeah um, so but
1: before we were and it put comes in from fossil fuels yes right and and <coughs>
0: some some comes from energy that's purchased mm-hmm. some is clean energy not mm-hmm. a large portion mm-hmm. some most of it is fossil fuels and yes. some is still coal yes like let's talk about it Anyway. Oh, I have so much for that. But yes. Anyway, so when I turn <laughs> my lights on, it does, when I charge my phone, uh-huh. it comes straight from yes. consumers. Energy. And you're
1: buying a service, right? And that service is because I have power. To. <laughs> because you have to. <laughs> but that's not how things began. There w- used to not be an electric power grid. Right. Like when electricity first came to be, um, companies, like especially engineers like Charles Brush, Were actually selling you a small power plant that you could install on your property, um, which, for example, would power like a shopping center or something like that. Okay. So they were not selling a service; they were selling a product, and then that product provided you with the energy that you needed.
0: And you could do this for like a neighborhood, right? Mm -hmm. Like you said, a shopping center. Like depending on how much you need, would be like how large that is. Mm -hmm. Um, So you were able to provide the necessary energy that you needed for your lifestyle
1: yes but they realize hey like once we sell this power plant they don't need us anymore so like there's a limit to, and there's a limit to how many people are going to be buying these power plants right there's a limit to um, how many power plants they can sell also, who, a lower population who might be able to
0: afford them, right? Like I'm yep. sure mm-hmm. it was generally the more wealthy. Oh, people. absolutely! I mean, yeah, we're talking 1800s. We're talking no lights, right? Yeah, <laughs> we're, we're talking, talking no candles.
1: Lights. We're talking little the little gas lamps. So it wasn't until 1878 that Brush and install, installed the first commercial lamp in that same year in Cincinnati, Ohio. And later that same year, the American Electric and Illuminating Company, which is a Canadian firm. Actually, put its first installation of an electric system that sold power and not the power plant to buyers in Montreal, Canada. The we basic. had just
0: barely breached getting people basic plumbing. So, like, if this can like you wrap your brain around like where we were uh-huh. in society, we're now trying to get people lights in their homes yes. and the capabilities of heating and mm-hmm. things like that.
1: So, yeah. sorry. So people, No, yeah. We're literally, like, exiting the stone age at this point. <laughs> um, so, as, the, as I said, like, they're starting to realize that settlers are just, like, dang, like, once they got the equipment that they need, like, a power plant, they just don't need us anymore. Mm-hmm. So, it's, like, how can we make more money? So, then they put their heads together, uh, these uh, electricity equipment manufacturers, and were, like, hey, why don't we just sell the electricity instead? Right. Um, and that would provide them two things. So, one... They could sell the utility at a low cost so that more customers could afford it and they could make more money. And also to do that, they would also need to sell it to more customers at once. So they're expanding their customer base because now it's not just the ultra wealthy that could afford a power plant, right. but like most people could afford at least a little bit of electricity. Right. Um, and also their, their customer base, like I said, expands and blows up. Mm-hmm. So because the demand for electricity grew so quickly during the 1880s and the 1890s in Canada and the U.S., um, things like electric railways are being built, uh, cities started to have street lighting. And so you remember they used to be like lamplighters before right. and that was like a profession. So now there's just electric street lighting, um, which is probably a little bit cleaner too. Cause those things ran on like oil.
0: Yeah. And I, I as you're saying this, I'm thinking like the quality of people's life is enhancing. Mm-hmm. They're able to like do the things they need to do more efficiently. People are probably healthier because mm-hmm. they're able to do these things.
1: hmm yeah, and because like electricity was becoming more commonplace, it also start like that also spurred the invention of electric appliances, which right. also obviously created like a dependency on having energy. Mm-hmm. So things like electric irons, toasters, coffee brewers, and vacuums were all invented around this time in like the late eighteen hundreds. The industrial revolution. So now people revolution. are like, well, I have to have electricity so that I can like use my toaster or yeah. like use my vacuum or whatever. Well, know? and
0: you know, as people are starting to work. 40 plus hours a week they don't have time
1: to do things the way they used to either oh, yeah. so see it's like... our episode on consumerism yeah, right. and cry about the fact that we could have had a 30 hour work week if it wasn't for greedy capitalists but anyways i mean we still could if you just unionize can right. i say that yeah of course <laughs>
0: okay
1: <laughs> this is a safe space i know <laughs> anywho
0: well it's a safe space for
1: people like us it is not a safe space for fascists and capitalists yeah so um, labor summer. Mm-hmm. So, because there was such a high demand with that came along with the invention and proliferation of these electric appliances, um, private system owners were just like, "Hmm, what if we just create scarcity, mm-hmm. <clears throat> diamond industry, <laughs> so that we can charge extremely high prices?" Yeah. So they started trying to milk it, but then at that point, uh, people were a little bit more vocal about. What they needed from their city officials so municipal politicians were like hey you know what we could actually build publicly owned electric systems to meet the demand for our constituents mm-hmm. that way like it would be more regulated it would come from the city and they're not artificially limiting supply or having to pay any private shareholders any profits so they could run a lot more affordably and like efficiently
0: well and because over a hundred years ago they understood that like humans need Mm -hmm. access to utilities Mm -hmm. equally Mm -hmm. to live a healthy and sustainable life yes and that's why they were gonna go that direction Mm -hmm. because they were like hey this feels like it's enhancing everybody's ability to live the life they need to yeah it's keeping people away from the hardships of poverty
1: yeah and even know? from an economic standpoint like a lot of because like having electricity gets to lengthen your work day like there are probably also economic totally. benefits to re- for making electricity more widely available. hey if
0: you're healthier happier stronger you got a better night of sleep you're you got fed a better quality meal mm-hmm. that all is gonna make you more ready to work
1: exactly so municipal systems kind of took over, which is great, right? Because that allowed for those um, municipal models to reduce costs, but it didn't come about easy. So mm-hmm. people had to actually fight for this. So the there was actually a mining labor strike in Pennsylvania in 1897. And then later, again, there was one in 1902 by the United Mine Workers of America. And then those two strikes affected coal prices. And as we know, especially right. back then, but still now, yeah, um, electricity was coming from coal.
0: They were running it.
1: They were running it. They were burning that chisel up. <laughs> um, so the campaigns actually won with because they had slogans like power at cost and one of our favorites power for the people ah Ooh-hoo. i know kevin and this, this is, is what sling- the early 1900s this is like 1897 1902 yeah like oh my goodness yeah wait how many years ago is that now that's
0: over 100 years that's 120 that's to 140 years
1: wow yeah um so because thanks to um people striking and actually advocating for lower utility costs municipal model became like a successful way to reduce bills and ensure the system that was needed by everybody and not just the wealthy mm-hmm. yeah and this is kind of the cliff notes version of that period obviously there's a lot more that goes into it because a couple more history. things happened <laughs> yeah but okay so and then so everything was good right so why do we not have in the superpower now if it worked out so well back then I don't know why, Nancy, (laughs) tell us. (laughs) It was because during the First World War, there was a Red Scare. And then, you know, Americans were like, OMG, the communists. Everybody was like, freaking out. So because of that, a lot of this municipal power stuff was seen as being communist or socialist. And back then, socialist was a dirty word. Now we're like, you know what? I could do with a little bit of socialism on the side. (laughs) They're like, "Uh, that socialist kind of sounds a little dope. (laughs) Yeah, it's like, oh, did you say people could have more easy access to things that make life more livable? Anyway, um, so there were a few private utility companies around the same time. Like it wasn't all municipal power, but a lot of those privately owned companies had to have licenses for operating with a privately owned grid. And there was a little bit of the hope that having uh, different systems with different owners would produce competition. Which would, in theory, lower rates and increase qualities to try and gain more customers. There was a lot of, like, a couple other factors that went into it, but also, like, the free market ideology didn't work as well in person as it did in theory. Mm-hmm. Um, because a lot of business owners who were basically really just trying to maximize their own profits try to undercut their competitors so that the other license holders would basically get run out of business. And mm-hmm. then once they own, that territory, they would bump up the prices again. So they're
0: monopolizing anyway. They're
1: yeah like literally the word monopolizing. they were just like let's cut everybody else out and take over. Uh, the ones that were not able to run other store or their system owners out of business actually ended up just either buying their competitors outright or bribing politicians to maintain control over multiple areas and then trying to prevent additional licenses from being issued so other owners can come in. And um, even now, if you look at some of the money that is received by a lot of our elected officials, you will see that there's some very generous packages from consumers and DTE Energy.
0: Of course there is. Mm -hmm. I mean, you just look, I think what we did was we looked at, like, their board of directors, and they are full of people who have been on boards for, like, health institutes mm-hmm. and then you're also understanding that like consumers energy or dte is burning fossil fuels which is making people unhealthy mm-hmm. like make that make sense
1: yeah there's a lot of like conflict of interest but like you know people can light themselves very comfortably when they got a blanket of cash
0: um and i want i just thought about this the definition of monopolize of an organization or group obtain excessive possession or control of a trade commodity or service have or take the greatest share of to get or keep exclusively to oneself um, and so the idea of pushing other companies out mm-hmm. to make it so that they can't, by absorbing reducing them. their rates because mm-hmm. you can afford to, mm-hmm. absorbing kind of gatekeeping. Their, consumer mm-hmm. ba- or their customer base, and then increasing those rates to the customers you now have, ca- have captive. Um, it, it is exactly just that. And so mm-hmm. I want to, if some people don't understand what we mean, but when we say monopolize, it's literally the game of monopoly. Yeah. It's trying to take as much as you can, mm-hmm. trying to take it from people, and then charge them for being in your space Um,
1: but how funny is it that it's a game now too
0: it's never been funny and also have monopoly has the game monopoly not ruined relationships (laughs) since the beginning of time you know there's there's nothing good about it So anyway, um, we are in the era where people are able to take over in monopolies. This is Mm -hmm. as we're trying to open up the free market Mm -hmm. of having energy. Yes. Okay.
1: Super quick recap. So we started off with privately owned utility owners selling power plants. And then we jumped to um, those same owners being like, hey, why don't we sell the service instead? And then having far scarcity created so that. The et- electricity prices went up, which then led to strikes, which then led to government intervention being like, hey, let's provide municipal power right. to then the Red Scare and then shifting back to privately owned power. Um, a lot of the municipal places or systems sold um, their systems and their grids to private owners in the hopes that the free market would regulate itself. Right, because but we were in a depression. We were so in a depression. And so we were trying to re-stimulate our economy mm-hmm. by
0: allowing for people to privatize these types of mm-hmm, things.
1: Mm-hmm. But then that led to corruption and monopolizing and um, basically the elimination of competition, which then leaves us with um, our two main players, which are consumers and DTE. But beginning in 1892 and ending in around 1907, A gentleman by the name of Samuel Insull was the first to completely monopolize the city of Chicago. So he was like the father of the energy monopoly. He started like the idea in the Midwest, especially Mm -hmm. because
0: this is kind of special to Michigan. Not all states run this exact way, Mm -hmm. but in the Midwest, because of our lovely friend Sam. Thanks, Sam. Thanks, all
1: Sams. And um, I come from California, and the pow- my parents would pay their utility bill to um, the Edison Electric Company. And Edison. Edison is... Mm.
0: Wealthy families, monopolized systems, mm-hmm. keeping our country in this captive space. Yes.
1: So Edison, uh, for those of you who do not know, um, he allegedly invented the first light bulb. I say allegedly because there's a few. there was different people working on the light bulb at the same time. Well, he had a lot of money, right? So he was just able to put his work out there more easily. Um, so Samuel so was actually... He's actually not American. He's British. He was born oh. in London. And then um, he emigrated to the United States. Funny how nobody gave him any crap about being an immigrant. But um, <laughs> He was the right kind of immigrant. <laughs> he was the right kind of immigrant. Um, so he actually... Became friends with Edison. He, like, idolized them and, like, really look up, looked up to him. He and Edison were, like, such friends that at some point he told Edison about his plans to try to create something like what Edison was doing, but on the east side of the state, or the country. Um, and Edison's words of encouragement were, do it big, Sammy, make it go. So, you know, that just kind of tells you kind of, like, they're, the mindset that they're coming from. They're definitely innovators, but they're also... Definitely capitalist to the bone and privatize a lot of things that we could have probably had more cheaper. Yeah,
0: because, I mean, when you think about it, they're trying to monetize something like having Mm -hmm. a light bulb in your house and being Mm -hmm. able to power that thing. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, it's it goes, I guess, beyond the the need to invent for humanity and for society. Mm -hmm. And it is just so that you can continue to have a captive audience.
1: Exactly, and yeah, because at that point you just have guaranteed customers. And, you know? and
0: really, it's because in our country, success is bred on being the best and mm-hmm. having the most. It's not yeah. necessarily on it's about excess it's, it's about access, it's and it's not about community. It's not about community, even though you can supply access to community mm-hmm. at an affordable rate for people and still yeah. gain. Yeah.
1: Um, uh, yeah, like for those of you not aware, there is soon to be a community-owned grocery store in Grand Rapids being yeah, uh, created by the, the Grand Rapids Food Co-op. Food so. Co-op. Stay Let's team. get it. Mm-hmm. Um, so anyway, so it took Samuel 15 years to form the first Monopoly company to exclusively hold a single effective license for a city-wide electric system. Okay. So there would be other aspiring monopolists in New York, Detroit, and other large US cities that were quickly, quickly falling right behind his footsteps.
0: And becomes acceptable because other large cities are
1: doing it. It probably Mm -hmm. seems like a great idea. Mm -hmm. Um, So the first decade of the 1900s, it was like the whole decade was just like a power struggle over the future of the electric power system. Not just in the Midwest, but just like in the US at large. Mm -hmm. So Enzo's monopoly was one of the first, but the methods that he used were actually taken up by other investors, capitalists, Business the no effect. Like, yeah. why would they miss out on the opportunity? Mm-hmm. Yeah, by, like, the early 1900s, these tactics are called, um, this workbook calls it, the robber, baron, industrialist of the era. So r- let's break it down. Mm-hmm. Robber is someone who steals or takes things. Baron is probably someone of status who has money and wealth and resources at his disposal. An industrialist is somebody who's just willing to... Um, You know, like, industry, right? So, like, machinery, systems, engineering. So, like, and then electricity wasn't the only victim of this approach. So, the reason why we have things like uh, railroads and transportation Mm -hmm. and the growth of fossil um, fuels and things like that are because of, the like, all these groups of innovators that had the same mindset. Exactly, of... How can we create a necessary
0: product so Mm -hmm. that we can continue to make money off of the industry
1: of X, Y, Z? Yes. Um, But so obviously this is also like its own class of people that are making these incredible large changes in America, like economically, but also like socially and like um, what is the word? Municipally.
0: Yeah, but I mean, this is all coming from generational wealth too, right? Mm -hmm. Only certain people have the capability of doing this because of the status of our country at the time as Uh well.
1: Yeah, but there there was still, obviously, like normal people Mm -hmm. who wanted public power. So that public ownership was uh, still like a strong movement in America around this time. And due to like a lot of organizing, um, a lot of, like in 1905, there was a couple of different things that happened that got us a couple of victories and i'm gonna insert myself into that us because we were there in spirit <laughs> they are here in spirit
0: if i was there i would have been
1: <laughs> here i would have been trying to take down the monopolies um so in canada the public power movement cemented its victory with an election turnout so they actually elected a whole new head of government in ontario who said <clears throat> on behalf of the government that the water power all over the country should not in the future be made the sport and prey of capitalists and shall not be treated as anything else but a valuable asset of the people of Ontario. Which I think is a really great attitude to have. right? like yeah. it, Like these systems that we rely on for cleanliness, for food production, for health, for access to the, you know, in, in present day, like access to the internet, access to jobs, like all these things that shouldn't be the plaything, And it shouldn't be something that could be changed at the whim of some, like an individual or group of individuals that have so much power to just affect our lives, like our daily lives in that way.
0: I mean, unless somebody wants to live this way, like Mm -hmm. have you met any person who can survive for more than a week without electricity, simply based on how our homes are built now?
1: Mm Mm-hmm. You don't have a choice.
0: You, I mean, if you have food in your refrigerator, mm-hmm. you don't have another option of how that refrigerator is going to run. If you need uh, your job, could you mm-hmm. work your job at all if you didn't have access to electricity? Yeah, to we're Wi-Fi, using electricity right now to right record now. this. We've we've created this necessary space <coughs> around mm-hmm. this utility. Mm-hmm. And then allowed for people to monopolize it. Yeah. Um, and that becomes a large issue because it's so necessary for our lifestyles. Mm-hmm. This this is beyond how fancy my house can be. Yes. It's like I got to charge my phone so mm-hmm. I can do my job. Yeah. I mean, and this is obviously well before phones, but.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. But even going back to what you said about like the way homes are built, like if you have a home in Michigan, you um, and winter comes, like you need some kind of power, whether it be gas or electricity or both, yes. to be able to heat your home, so you don't freeze inside your own home, right? Yes. Um, and like and, and they're the poorly summer, insulated. Too. Yeah, because they're made to be poorly insulated, and that's the whole other topic. Um. But but we it keeps us in
0: this captive audience mm-hmm. of I have to be able to survive, and this is the only way I currently know how because mm-hmm. of the lifestyles mm-hmm. that we have. Mm-hmm. So so I pay DT and so I pay consumers energy.
1: Yeah. Um, Which is not to say that electricity is bad, right? It helps us connect with each other. It helps us a lot to allow, like, have all these technological advances that wouldn't be possible without it. Um, I get to have a phone.
0: And and which is why it was so easy for people to say, like, yes, we need more energy. We all need access to Mm -hmm. it because it enhances our abilities. Yeah. And so they took that voice of, uh, and and so that's what people were trying to say is, Mm -hmm. no, we all want access to it because it's enhancing our abilities, Um, but we don't want to have to work tirelessly and not (coughs) get paid at the rates that you're charging people for it. Mm -hmm. So people start to try to take power over that Mm -hmm. um, because they said, fuck that. But then Sam comes in and says, no, we should be doing privatization all over so the that we could
1: yes they could charge whatever the heck they want
0: because we want to be investors because we have as capitalists
1: you know for the most part like true capitalism doesn't really care if people are left to the wayside or have to go without because of these prices right they just yeah. at the end of the day they just kind of care about their profit margins and the bottom line
0: and a capitalistic society does not have to appreciate people because mm-hmm. we are
1: appreciating profits so the second thing that happened is that in New York, uh, they actually ordered an investigation of private companies that were overcharging uh, constituents for utilities. And then they ended up finding that the companies were charging more than four times what the power actually cost to make. God. So people were paying like four, maybe five times more than the cost. And like, it's insane, right? Um, and then in Wisconsin, this is the third thing, um... The state regulation of corporations had advanced, and they won the creation of the state's railroad commission. Um, So they were able to, thankfully, and I mean, are we still not having railroad regulation issues? It's so frustrating. So all this stuff is going on. So there was, like, some places, it was really mixed, right? Like, America is not a monolith. So some places were winning public power, and then some places were... Not winning, per se, but <laughs> getting private power. Okay, nice. um, so in 1907, Ansel completed his consolidation of corporations in Chicago. And at the same time, there was uh, public ownership and regulation proponents in Wisconsin and New York that p- were passing new laws uh, controlling electric utilities and putting them under public regulation um, because of all this evidence that they found from that New York overcharging and things like that, right?
0: Right. So they're like, no, we got to switch things up. <clears throat> Obviously, this is not working for people to mm. privatize this. Yeah. So there was like proof that it wasn't working, but also proof that public works
1: in other mm-hmm. areas. Yeah. And then the thing is, like a lot of so like it's also like when this is happening, there, there wasn't the Internet. Right. Mm-hmm. So people like, for example, things are happening in New York. It might be weeks or even months before somebody heard about it in California a publication from like the
0: radio mm-hmm. or from a newspaper. Mm-hmm. I mean, it takes so much longer for that to travel. Yeah.
1: So all these things were just happening in like kind of like um, not fully independent because like things are interconnected, but like um, a little bit more siloed like events were happening. And then despite the winning of public power in other places like the Midwest definitely got stuck with a lot of private power.
0: Yeah, well, and and I mean obviously we talk about like the industrial revolution, how we're starting to like bridge into the space where we're going to have cars that are ran by fossil fuel, which mm-hmm. sparked because of these types of things. Mm-hmm. So, Michigan is kind of it's already on that tip mm-hmm. of like we want to be able to get the most out of lumber out Mm -hmm. of cars Mm -hmm. out of fossil fuel out of friggin corn like whatever we can pump out of this space Mm -hmm. it's kind of like our generalized theme so like Mm -hmm. the midwest just jumps on sam's train yes and
1: it's like yeah literally too because he also did try to monopolize a railroad system goodbye (laughs) um so around this time um Because of all these different things going on and different companies being here or different places having private power, some places having public power, Um, that issue that you mentioned earlier about having too many lines Mm -hmm. um, was really starting to become an issue. So the concept of a, quote-unquote, natural monopoly um, in the hopes of avoiding multiple sets of wires or redundant power-generating stations had reached acceptance.
0: Yeah, so people were like, okay. So people were like, all
1: right, like there's kind of a lot of wires around. Maybe it's okay. We do have the one. Um, So the alternative to the privately owned utility system was a single publicly owned utility system. Um, So in Canada, especially, this was like very successful and also in a couple of U.S. cities. Um, Unfortunately, though, Ensel was still publicly encouraging his peers to um, embrace uh, legitimizing their status as a private monopoly holder by getting his peers to embrace regulation. So they were like, look, if you let yourself be regulated, they'll let you stay in business. Um, so he's kind of using that as a way to stay in business. Yeah. Um, however, um, the, he's also blocking threats from competitors by, like, bribing officials and doing, uh, you know, maybe just lobbying. Like lobbying. Yeah. Um, and he actually held two influential positions of power outside of his corporation. So he was the head of the National Electric Light Association mm-hmm. and he was a board member at the National Civic Federation. So the first one, the Electric Light Association, was a trade association for private electric utility system managers. The second one was more so like a civic society for like business elites. Um, but his position in both of these groups also allowed him the power to be in the circles that he needed to be and um, have like the public force and um, just like social power that he needed, on top of like wealth, yeah.
0: which is why it's, really it's also change. an issue that mm-hmm. over a hundred years later, mm-hmm. the people who are on the board of directors for DTE and for consumers mm-hmm. are also on boards for other spaces. This is conflict of interest, mm-hmm. and uh, because there isn't a rule against whether or not you can uh, be on a board for eight different monopolized, you know, systems mm-hmm. or eight different. Uh, corporations you can have them all just support each other's interests and only that Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, on top of him having all of this influence, he has influence in other places as well. Mm-hmm. So I think there's a reason why he's able to move things the way that he does. Yes. Because he's able to have conversations in rooms that most people don't have access to.
1: Mm-hmm. And then as far as like his influence and everything that he was kind of trying to enforce, he was able to create a public utility system that was able to escape elimination and they actually set up their own regulatory design. he's just basically just like inventing his own game and then basically rigging it so that he comes out on top. so from what i'm what I
0: gather from what you just said is he said. No, guys, if you let them regulate you, then you'll be fine. Mm -hmm. And then he was like, But we need a regulation system. How about I create that system?
1: Exactly. And so
0: all Mm -hmm. regulations that I'm going to be following are ones that I like and that I Mm -hmm. choose and are only likely going to benefit Mm -hmm. my ideals.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: Yes. Got
1: it. Yeah. (laughs) So, and then that's kind of how we actually came to have public utility commissions. Um, so they're charged charge of protecting utility corporations just as much as they're supposed to protect cons- consumers. So
0: we can have a public utility commission, but we can't have public utilities. Yes. And we we understand the need for a public utility commission because mm-hmm. we need to have somebody regulating these people. Mm-hmm. We need to have somebody saying, no, we can't charge people that much Mm-hmm. Where it has to be this clean, mm-hmm. right? So that's where it comes from.
1: Yeah. But if those public utility commissions were put together to regulate these companies on behalf of the consumers, right. that would be one thing. But they're protecting the corporation as much as the consumers because it was created by people like Sam mm mm-hmm. Mhm. Okay. Yeah. It's like for example, the police, right? So the police there's a there's this impression that there's this like public like if you ask a people like oh but even the police is for a lot of people will answer to keep us safe but that's actually not the case like the police were actually invented to protect the assets of wealthy folks and to protect wealthy folks and people like just normal people like you and i like we're not part of that protected class right
0: well the police were literally set so that they could regulate specific types of yeah, people and to
1: enforce rules yeah So you can take up the public utility commissions in that way. Like they have the impression of being there to protect consumers and citizens, but really they're there to protect the interests of the wealthy. Okay, yeah, because it was created by a system that doesn't appreciate people;
0: Mm -hmm. it -hmm. appreciates
1: profits. Mm -hmm. So, what are your thoughts?
0: Well, I just think that it's really telling. You know, I think as a as somebody who is now. Of in their 30s mm-hmm. <laughs> as somebody who has been paying these bills for almost 10 years at least 10 years mm-hmm. I've been paying these bills for a long time I've I've only over the past few years really thought about the fact that it's the same name for everybody um, I mean we talk about if you if you go to these hearings mm-hmm. if you go to these places where DTE or consumers wants to hear your input or wants to talk to you about why we're trying to increase a rate mm-hmm. um, their answer for being in a captive audience is well you can you can supply your own energy um, you can you know do solar but the reality of solar is I can't store it mm-hmm. I'm going to be paying for that power even though I'm paying to put this on my roof yep. and there is a what three or four percent cap on our city which was mm-hmm. risen from one percent mm-hmm. in 2021 22 and then they raised it to six okay so it's risen to six six mm-hmm. percent of the entire city mm-hmm. there's 200,000 people in grand rapids six mm-hmm. percent of our power can come from solar being put on even my own individual roof yes and the roof of Butterworth Hospital. you know what you on can the roof do, though? of a
1: business, consumers will sell you a solar panel from their solar field. Exactly. They just want to offset the cost on the customer. Mm-hmm. So so basically their solution is
0: either use us or have enough money to do the opposite. Mm-hmm. And last time I checked, most people don't have enough money to own their home and to also put solar mm-hmm. and to store that power. Mm-hmm. So I guess like what it leaves me with is only frustration. The need to make sure that we're making better decisions Mm -hmm. on who gets to make these choices, Mm -hmm. Um, and then to also have a better understanding. Like when we learned this information, it was kind of like, "Whoa, Mm -hmm. what do you mean things weren't like this before?" Yeah, you know, what do you mean there are places across the country who get to get their power in different ways? Public
1: power. We we all
0: thought that it was just like, "Oh, this is you know." I don't even know that we wake up and think about these types of things.
1: I mean, I do because we work well, in this all.
0: But we as people, right? <clears throat> like until you actually had this course and until you started working in environmental justice, mm-hmm. did you have an understanding of why it's only these companies? Mm-hmm. Or where. I mean, I, I didn't really understand why I paid consumers. I simply just did. Yes. And I have been frustrated by the rates. I have been frustrated by my, the lack of efficiency in my home. Yeah. Um,
1: I am so. looking up cities that have municipal power because I'm curious about how many actually.
0: Well, Michigan pays the highest rates in the entire country oh, yes. for energy. People gotta know. We and have the
1: highest rates and we have the highest low rates reliability.
0: And lowest reliability also in the Midwest, we don't properly insulate our homes mm-hmm. and because we go through harsh environments. Yeah. So think about today as an example, it is 90, going to be 90 degrees in Grand Rapids mm-hmm. of almost straight humidity. And yeah. we have been dealing with 60, 70 degree days over the past week. Mm-hmm. We're fluctuating so quickly. Everybody is about to crank up their AC, oh, yeah. and then we don't have properly insulated homes. So we're, no. just so we're just letting it leak out. Yeah. Um, so on top of paying some of the highest prices, on mm-hmm. top of having or the highest rates, yeah, we also have the most inefficient way of getting that energy to people. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, it's just we have to understand then why it's so important for us to have options outside of. One or two companies, mm-hmm. they just get to control it. What if one day they decide that energy is gonna be
1: fifty dollars per day? what are what are you gonna do? Uh, probably turn off my what is it called my breaker box and just be like f it
0: you know and and, and, wash and close my my hands why we want to hear about what people are experiencing Mm -hmm. is because of those issues right Right. our Mm -hmm. only option currently is to turn off our lights Mm -hmm. and that should not be your option it shouldn't be peak hours that are lessening your rates for Mm -hmm. power especially when we understand how necessary it is Mm -hmm. i know that was like a little chunk and a little bit but like it, it leaves me feeling really, really concerned for people who have higher needs
1: than I do. Yeah. And then you know we hear about these people that are left without power during winter storms, um, during like high heat waves. You have CPAP um, machines, even just during machines in general. Yeah, a lot of folks do rely on electricity and power for medical reasons. And the Cooling fact that we don't have reliable power, we have some of the highest rates in the country. Um, I just feel like it's a good time to kind of just sit back and think about well and we just learned about how things got to be the way they are but why are they still like that so um, I think for our
0: call to action Mm -hmm. not to plug our event but for to give people space and energy and time to express themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, come to our event on September 5th. Yep. Come potentially. We haven't told
1: them the name of the event, Erica. Oh, it's we energy. haven't said it a single time. It's energy, equity, and tacos. Energy, equity, and tacos.
0: So we will feed you. <laughs> we'll give vibes. And then we'll also have some um, art going on, live screen printing t-shirts. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're
1: going to have two artists there. Yeah. Um, the first one is a muralist. Yep, K- Kristen Zuller. Uh, and, and then the screen printer is uh, my friend George Everhart. Yeah,
0: and so we're going to give interactive ways for you guys to be involved in what it means to bring power back to people. Mm-hmm. But also to give a, a opportunity for you to talk about your experience. Mm-hmm. Um, because we need to know collectively that we're all maybe dealing with the same thing. Mm-hmm. And, and that maybe we want the same change as each other. Yeah. Um, and so that's my call to action. Mm-hmm. Come to our event um, and make your voice heard, either yes. through a letter writing, through um, engagement, through mm-hmm. a cool new T-shirt that when somebody asks you about, you can give them information. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know if you
1: have a call to action or if it's um, all the yeah, same. you can sign up for our event um, on Eventbrite. Just look up Energy, Equity, and Tacos, and it'll show to pop right up. Um, that, again, that's on Eventbrite. Dot com, um, We really want to collect a lot of this feedback because Consumer Energy is looking to raise the rates again. Uh, so they do do this every year, every other year. There's this concept of the energy burden. And the energy burden is like how much of people's livelihood is being eaten up by utility bills. So for someone who is very wealthy, the energy burden might be like, 1% to 2% of their overall income, which is not much, right? Like, they probably don't really think about it. For someone who's um, maybe more working class or is just making, um, you know, minimum wage yeah, or Living under like the that. poverty line. Yeah. yeah, even, like, not minimum wage because, like, I mean, oh well. Well, it, let's so be low. real.
0: If you make minimum wage in the state of Michigan, you are living below the poverty
1: line. Way Straight below the poverty up. line, yeah. Um, but even, like, if you're, like, quote-unquote middle class... Um, like you're probably still struggling with your energy bill, and that can take up anywhere between like ten, 10 to thirty percent of your income. And
0: we're already giving thirty percent away from our, uh, our taxes. taxes, and thirty to fifty percent to our rent. For me, it's probably like sixty. But yeah, there mm. we go, dude. So we're talking about another thirty potentially, ten to thirty for mm-hmm. your energy bill. Mm-hmm. You have a
1: phone. You have a car. You got food to eat. Yeah. Yeah. So for so it does place like a very. um an unjust burden on our most
0: vulnerable
1: communities yes exactly absolutely um so yeah so a lot of things for y'all to think about please come to our event we hope to see you there and thank you for listening thank you for sticking with us Mm -hmm. um we are excited
0: to continue to not just bring you knowledge about climate change but how we can bring effective solutions to our day-to-day lives Mm -hmm. so yeah until next time
1: Hopefully, yeah. maybe I won't have my No,
0: eight. we like, we like the sultry. You want me to talk P- to you about?
1: Petition to keep Nancy
0: sultry for the remainder of Green Rabbit's podcast. <laughs> Wait, let me
1: tell you about energy. <laughs> oh my goodness. All right. Has anybody talked to you about clean energy <laughs> today? <laughs> Erica, <gasps> where, where do you get your energy from? <laughs> <laughs> no, when I do, I just sound creepy. <laughs> All, right. <laughs> All right, bye. <laughs> Peace.